Welcome to the Dwellings Podcast. We're glad you tuned in. Enjoy this message by Pastor Gunnar. I've asked Ian to share. You can be seated for a minute. I've asked Ian to share the story of what God's been doing in his life lately. And um, just go ahead, man. Just a perfect time for it. <laughs> hey, guys. Good morning. Uh, if we haven't met, my name's Ian. I'm the other half to Lisa. Uh, most of you guys know Lisa. Um, I, uh, I decided recently to start writing out my testimony, and I came up with... Uh, original version was a huge biography, and then Lisa said, don't do that. Uh, So I rewrote it, um, and it's titled, uh, God's Pursuit, My Identity, and Magical Mumbo Jumbo. Um, And not in that order. It's not written in that order, so if you read it, it's not in that order. Spoiler. Um, I am a person who has been defined without God in my life by the successes that I have achieved. Pay attention to that. That's going to be offensive a little bit. I've pushed myself in everything I do. I've been in the army for 22 years. I've deployed a bunch. Um, And I didn't know that that was wrong. I didn't know that having an identity without Christ, without God, without Jesus was wrong. I had no idea. I never prayed. I never learned about God. I wasn't raised in the Bible or uh, in church. Um, And about eight or nine years ago, my identity was challenged. And I thought this was gonna be like mine and Lisa's testimony, but our marriage fell in a hard time. So many of us go through these kind of things and it put me in a really, really dark spot. And because I still hadn't found God and I still hadn't gone through uh, trying to develop a relationship with Jesus, uh, I took the credit for recovering from a very dark place in my life. I, I dealt with depression for probably two or three years. Um, and we, we separated for a little while and we met and we came to the dwelling. Or we didn't meet, we reunited and we started coming to the dwelling. And I was reluctant. Lisa was like, go to the dwelling, go to the dwelling. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Nothing, nothing special is gonna happen here, right? Like everybody around here has been here for a few years like, oh, that's not how this works. Uh, but I was, I, I was, I, would, I went to, I went to, uh, I came to the dwelling and I met some of you guys, but I came because I just wanted to support Lisa's, try to support Lisa's journey. And man, I tell you what, I didn't expect him to jump in my life, which I shouldn't be ignorant to that, right? Like we talk about it all the time. Gunnar will talk about, you know, the moment that you surrender and you start doing things, you have the shift in your heart. I, that's magical mumbo jumbo to me. That's not real. He hasn't done that to my life. Like he hasn't, he hasn't, he hadn't done it to my life. He, he hadn't changed my, my heart. He hadn't softened my soul. I've, I've deployed a ton. I've, I've done like actual war, not like some, some cook who sits on a fob all the time. If that's you, I'm sorry, but like I, I've done that stuff and my, my heart has been hardened. And man, about a year ago, we sat in here for an outreach meeting with Stefan and the Lopez and Gunner, and I sat behind Gunner, and we were talking about the plans for the future, and God started talking to me. It was the first time that I can say without question that God started talking to me, and it made no sense. It was illogical, and I was behind Gunner, and I was like, I don't have hair to pull out, but if I did, I would have. I was like, this doesn't make any sense, Gunner. This doesn't make any sense. Like, this is gonna change things. And from that point on, God has been pursuing me 
all of 2022, I'm, I'm marking 2022 as God's pursuit of me as his son. And I didn't try. Like, I learned some things last year. I saw some things. I experienced some things that make absolutely no sense. And I didn't even try. And the magical mumbo jumbo is absolutely real. Like, I feel this shift in my personality. I want to I want to help. And I won't shut up. About, I'm going to get myself in trouble at work here soon because I won't shut up about God. I've been inviting everybody here. Like, come to the dwelling. Come out. Come check it out. Hey, guys. If in 2022, God pursued me and it has changed my life, <laughs> what's this year going to look like as I pursue him? And I would, old Ian, conceited Ian, cocky Ian, the guy who has all the successes would say, hey, look, you just watch. I'm looking at Matt. That's my battle buddy. Uh, but you guys are coming with me. So we're gonna go through this journey together and I'm hoping to learn more and more from you guys. I look across the room, there's so many examples of extraordinary faith and I can't wait to like pull it from you guys. I love you guys, thank you for listening. All right, so I'm just, I didn't know we were gonna do this but I put Lisa on the spot, but prayer changes things okay so if you if you're in this place and you've got family members that you're crying out for the Lord to move in their hearts just stand I don't know if it's a daughter a son a cousin uncle aunt mama daddy whatever I know I want Lisa to pray for for these there's it's like everybody in the room okay so <laughs> you guys I'm so nervous I'm gonna cry a lot too Lord, you've been so faithful. You're so faithful and your promises are true. <laughs> the waiting is so hard. Lord, I just lift up your children who are waiting. Father, I know it's hard. There was times that I... You were my only contentness. You are my only joy. I would sit in the closet and cry out to you, Father. I hung on to this promise. I hung on that you said you would do it. There were moments I ran and I, I tried to separate from you, Lord. And I went to friends. I went to community that I knew, knew you, Father. And they said, put your eyes back on Jesus. We lock eyes with the man on fire. That's the only way. So Lord, just help us, help us to set our eyes. Father, on you and on you alone, Father, and just to soak in your word, Father, and to hang on to the promise, Father, because you will move. You will move. You will move. It might take some time, but you're moving. You're moving. You're moving. You're moving. And I'm just so grateful. I'm just so thankful, Father. I just... I stand against the scheme of the enemy right now to try to lie to my family and tell them that it's not gonna happen, that it's too late, that they're not coming home, that it'll never work and you should just give up because it will work. Keep the faith, it's on the other side. It's on the other side. One more time around the city, the wall is gonna fall down. It's on the other side. Jesus, we thank you and we love you. We just honor you, we just thank you. We just honor you.
thankful for what you're doing, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Come on. Can we give Jesus a shout this morning for what he's done? And he's never done. He's never done. He's never done. He's always working. Y'all be seated real quickly. I'm uh, just going to preach from my phone. I want to share something really quick. And worship team, y'all can actually, y'all can sit down if you want to. Tim, stay up here for me. Isaiah 43, verses 14 through 20. One of our team members, Tim, was in here this morning and he said, I was reading Isaiah 43 this morning and that's when I was kind of confirmation for me. I was like, all right, that's my text this morning that I planned on anyway. It says, this is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sakes, I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee in those ships that they're so proud of. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned, their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The wild animals in the fields will thank me. The jackals, the owls, for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. Little context on this. This was Isaiah speaking to a rebellious hearted people who had turned their backs on God. And, and Isaiah was saying, look, judgment's coming. Persecution is coming. And it's because of your turning your back on Jesus or your back on your, on your creator that these things are going to come against you. And a Babylonian army is going to come in, going to tote you all away into bondage. But the Lord is faithful and he won't let it continue forever. And he's going to actually deliver you from your bondage. And so there's this, there's this figurative language in there about rivers coming into dry wastelands. And there's also, I believe, maybe some literal interpretation there as well that we've yet to see. But, but I, want to make, I want to take this text and I want to draw it into like real life application. And here's what I know about rivers in the desert is that there is no desert too dry that the Lord can't wake up again. Like there's no life. This is this testimony we've just heard. There's no life too far, too dry, too hard for the Lord to break through and bring life to. And here's what I know about rivers. Rivers, they contain life. If you could put the river water under a microscope out here, you would see organisms in the water. You would, you would find fish in the water. You would find living creatures in the water because water not only contains life, but it sustains life. The very fact that we are sitting as a city on a river is because it sustains life. It's a port. Everything that we need, we get from the river. That iPhone probably came in right here, okay? Like, not that we need it, but you know what I'm saying. Like, everything we need 
the river brings in. Life is contained in the river. Life is sustained by the river. And, and life is attracted like to the river. The river attracts life. There's a whole city has, has been set up here. A colony was set up here years and years ago. Why? The river. Because the river's here. And so where there's life, where the river is flowing, there's three things that are always going to be where a river is. There's going to be change. There's going to be activity and flow. And there's going to be mess. <laughs> In a church where there's no life, there's no change. In a church where there's no activity, there's no life there. In a church where there's no mess, there's no life. The Bible says where, the, where, where, the, where there are no oxen, the stable is clean. I'll let that sink in just a minute. Right? If you don't have any horses in the stable, there's no messes to clean up. But I'm telling you where there's life, you're just going to have a mess. And that's part of it. But I'd rather clean up messes till the day I die and have the Spirit of God and the presence of God in my life and in this house. How about you? And so it's one of those necessary things. It's like change is inevitable where there's life. Activity is inevitable where there's life. And a mess to clean up is always inevitable where there's life. And making room for more, which is one of the things that we say we do, right? Making room for more is going to require us to take all that into account. Making room for more means being willing to, being willing to be the hands and feet to our own prayer. So when we ask God for more, often he goes, okay, let's go. Not I'm sending it. No, I'm sending you. And so I want us to think of it this way because many of us have come into this house, into the dwelling, just like Ian came in. He said, I didn't want to be here. I was just coming because I'm just trying to make this thing work, right? And many of you have come in the house in a very broken place. And I think I met a, a nurse right before we came in here. And when you come into the ER, how many know you're in bad shape, right? You need to be there. You need some fluids, you know? You might need some, some really intense care up front. You might need uh, doctors all around you. You might need life support. You might need CPR. You might need some extreme help. And some of you have come into church, into God's house, and you've been in an ER stage in your life where it's like, I just, I'm so broken. I don't know if I can live one more day. Several weeks ago, somebody walked this aisle and received prayer from one of our community leaders. leaders and they said, I was going to kill myself, but I came to church and I've got hope today that God's got a plan for my life. I'm just saying, that's a, that's a result of life. But some people come in like that. You might have come in like that even today. Like, this is ER. Gunner, I'm, I'm checking into the ER today. 
And then some of you might have come in an ER stage in your life. And then how many know when you get kind of stable, they take you out of the ER and they put you in a hospital room. So you don't need like round the clock, like immediate care, but you do need somebody coming in, checking your vitals. You need somebody come in. Hey, are we doing all right? You need anything? Let me check you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Take your temperature. You need a blanket. You need some socks. You want some bone broth? You know, like, like you still need care. You're not ready to go run a marathon yet. You're in the hospital bed. And some of you guys are in that place. And if we're just honest, some of you are laying in the hospital. You're here, but you're like, this is all I can do is just be here. You know what's going on in my life right now? And I am tired and I just, and really what you need, and I, I, what you need is just care. You need some people to come around you, care for you, share the burden with you. And that's why community is so important. And so church, know that there are people sitting in the rows where you're sitting right now that need that from you. They need somebody to care for them. They need somebody to love them back to health because they've been burned by something, by religion or by whatever. Maybe they're just tired. Maybe they just got through that divorce and it's just rough and we're trying to find our footing again. I don't know. But, but, but some, some of us are in a hospital room and then some of us, and I don't want to be, this is what the challenge is this morning. Some of us came in the ER and we were in bad shape. And we got, we got bandaged up and we got, we got fixed up and we've been in the hospital room and we've getting care and everybody's checking on us and we're good and you're getting strength. That nurse, the nurses have made you get out and start walking down the hallway a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And like now you're ready. You're ready to, for checkout. How many know if I get used to laying in the hospital bed and I say, well, man, they're bringing me my food, my breakfast every morning. They feed me lunch every day. They feed me supper, same time every day. Oh, actually, they're five minutes late today. What's happening? What's going on here? And I feel great, but I got it made right here. I believe the Lord's calling some of y'all to check out of the hospital room and get on mission with God. I'm not throwing shade at anybody who's healing, but the heal you can't just say I'm healing forever. There is a moment in your life when God calls you out from where you are. And I like to call this phase the family phase. It's no longer about I'm so hurt I can't go on or I'm still hurt I need care. When you enter this phase of God's house, you're like, you know what? This is my house. This is my family. And I'm putting in the effort, the sacrifice, so that people who are just like me can get in that ER and can get, get care in that hospital room. How many have been in the hospital room before in your life and you're thankful for the people who nursed you back to health, the spiritual mamas and daddies that came, up, came up alongside of you and nursed you back? God, wants, it's, God says it's time for you to be that to somebody. He says, it's time for you to be that to somebody. And then I think beyond that family phase, there's this enlistment phase. Like I'm going to fight for my 
family. I'm going to fight. I, if I see the enemy coming after my brother or my sister, I'm going to fight for them. I'm going to go to them and I'm going to have that conversation. I'm going to go and I'm going to get in my closet. And I'm going to pray and just knock down the gates of hell over that family. That's fighting for each other. And how many know if you're in the ER, you're not studying fighting. You're not in a fighting phase, but some of you have been out of the ER. Now you've been out of the hospital room. Now you find this place home and now it's time to fight. It's time to enlist and it's time to not give up until Savannah looks like heaven. And then there's this on mission phase where you're not only willing to say, you know what? I think I'm well. Not only to say, this is my family. I'm going to get plugged in. I'm going to create spaces for people to encounter God, discover their identity, fulfill their purpose, just like somebody did for me. I'm not only going to fight for this family, fight for the vision that God's put on, on our hearts for this city, but now I'm going to be willing to live in a missional way. I love the, the word uh, Ekbalo, it's the Greek word. When Jesus would cast a demon out of somebody, he said he ekbaloed that demon. In other words, he cast it. Like it's like think about it. Think about just somebody just taking something, just chunking it as far as they can. The same word is used for, and he sent them out with the gospel. And I believe Jesus today is on. He's on the mound. <laughs> and he's ready to ekbalo some of you out of here. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, God's ready to send you back to your workplace with a fire in your bones and a word on your lips, encouragement and hope, the gospel of Jesus. God's getting ready to send you, some of you guys all across the world. Here's the, here's the vision for this house. I never, ever, ever wanted to move to Savannah to plant just another church just that does church. I don't, I'm not interested in building a big church. I'm not interested in buildings. I'm not interested in all that. I am interested in transforming a city. And that's possible by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the gospel does that, by the way, when we start living it out. The goal of this house is not just to grow big, the goal of this house is to transform a city. And I don't, I'm not so naive to think that we can do it alone and that, that we're God's gift to Savannah and all that stuff. That's pride. But here's what I will say. I believe that the Lord has something significant and special that he's calling us to, to spearhead the move of God in this city and in this region. And he's just looking for some people who will say, you know what? I've been restored and I'm enlisting and I'm gonna be on mission. He's looking for a yes. D.L. Moody said, the world is yet to see what God can do with a man that's fully surrendered. So the Lord's calling some of us today to our yes. The long vision is a city restored, a city warmed by the fire of God's presence, a city with the waters the living water springing up everywhere. But I'm telling you this, making room for more means 
that we have to be intentional about not damming up the river. Right out here where the container ships come down the river, there's more and more demand on this port, right? And the larger and larger ships that can carry more and more containers. But the river has to be adjusted in order for that to happen. It's called dredging. And they take all the silt and they take all that mud and they pull it out and they make the river deeper. They make room for more so that bigger ships can come to port. And that's what we're doing in the spirit. Not only in this house, but in the city. We're dredging out the old that served its purpose, but we're dredging out the old so we can make room for more because God's got some bigger things coming down the river. I believe it. Do you believe it? It's bigger than a church. This is about a move of God. And I believe that as the river flows in our lives personally, everywhere we go becomes an oasis. Even in the driest place, I hear this a lot as a pastor pray for me. Pastor Gunner, the place I work is so dark. And I want to be like, why are you praying to leave? He put you there. You're the light. You're destroying darkness. Tell me I don't believe that. If you're in a dry place, it's because you're meant to bring the water of life. We'll get it. We'll get it. There's always more with God. If you don't leave with anything else today, there's always more with God. Don't settle. Who's going to say yes to him? Let's stand our feet. I'm going to dismiss us in prayer today. Hasn't he been good to us this morning? Oh, he's been so good to us. We love your presence, Jesus. We love your word that rearranges us. We love your... Oh, we love, we just love you. We just want you. And so we say yes today, just in your own words, in your own way, just say yes to him, whatever he's calling you to. And say, you know what? I've been in, I've been in the hospital, but now it's time to walk. It's time to get out. It's time to, it's time to serve. It's time to give. It's time to live on mission. It's time to enlist. Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing in our lives. The fact that you bring us from phase to phase to phase. We love the family of God. We're thankful for the family that you've placed us in. And Lord, we just choose to say yes, to walk out on mission with you. If you agree, say amen. Amen. Before I let you go, let me tell you one more thing that's going on. 
our Wednesday night schedules are uh, is switching up and starting this week youth and prayer will be on the same night every Wednesday night okay all right so officially so it starts at seven o'clock youth will go from seven to 8 30 and then um, we're ha we're changing the name prayer night to prayer room everybody say prayer room everybody say prayer room all right, prayer room is, is, is not just a Wednesday night thing. That's why we changed the name. Prayer room will be this Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Two-hour worship and prayer set, 7 to 9. If you can't make it until 8, come at 8. If you can't stay past 8, just leave, okay? But somebody's going to be in this room leading a space for Jesus to be present. And so we're going to prayer and intercession. That's what prayer room's all about. And then, so this week, we're not only kicking off prayer room on Wednesday night, we're kicking off prayer room midday Thursday, 11 to 1. So if you're anywhere around here, show up at the warehouse 11 to 1 on Thursday, every Thursday. So two spaces. And the goal is that eventually there'll be multiple times throughout the week where somebody in this house is praying and giving Jesus what he's worthy of in this city, like an incense rising to him. He's worthy of it. And uh, man, we've already got some 6 a.m. prayer sets on the in the works. Somebody even said, I'll pray at 2 a.m. And I'm like, you go for it. I might come see you one of these days. All right. Prayer room, youth happening this Wednesday. Y'all be blessed today. Go take what you received today and give it, give it away today. Love you. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information, visit thedwellingchurch.org.